Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture. Brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. Welcome to The Table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director for the Cultural Engagement at the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. And I am suspicious you will recognize both the people <laughs> sitting at, with me at the table because they also work at the center. We've got Millicent Pipkin here who's going to help me in having a conversation with Bill Hendricks, <laughs> who is uh, Executive Director for Christian Leadership at the Hendricks Center. So this is a <clears throat> Reverend Hendricks Center party today. There you go. And our, our topic is God's Calling in general, and then more specifically in thinking about the way in which God leads and guides various Christians in, in the variety of relationships that one has. And our expert is going to be uh, Bill Hendricks and, and Millicent. Then we're in big trouble. We are, we, are, we are in trouble, but we prayed beforehand, we'll pray afterwards, and then we'll let the listeners deal with the damage. So um, Sounds good to me. So does that sound like a plan? It's kind of how we usually do it. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So, so Bill, you know the standard question I always ask at the beginning of every podcast that I do. How did a guy like you get into a gig like this? Well, I got into the issue of calling through my work with giftedness. Mm -hmm. And uh, people want to know, what is my calling, which in today's parlance means what, what should I do when I grow up is mm -hmm. the simplest way to put it. And because I've been doing that for the last 25, 30 years, uh, I've had to th sort of think deeply theologically about, well, what do we mean by calling? And, and, how do, and if we do have a calling, how do we figure that out? And, and then you get into this murky thing that I know we'll get into, which is, wait a minute, the word call and calling seems to be used in many different ways, not only in Scripture, but even, even more so just in the church in general. Right, exactly. And how do we sort all that out? So, so let's let's move let's move from giftedness to calling. So let me start yeah, with let's giftedness start there. first. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and that is so. What drew what you is into giftedness? yeah? And what drew you into that conversation? Well, that's easy. Uh, a week after graduating from Dallas Seminary, uh, my wife said, "Look, I'm tired of putting you through school." It was my second <laughs> master's degree, uh -huh. and she said, "I want to start a family, Enough get out already. there, and make some make some money." You know, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Now that's called a calling. <laughs> <laughs> now one you better answer. <laughs> no, well, yeah. So uh, it was at that time that somebody really helped me discover my own giftedness, which was a, a sea change, a transformation for me in terms of direction in life. And it was about 10 years after that that I decided to, to I, I, I started a consulting practice, and I reinvented it to help other people discover their giftedness. Okay, so so you were headed in one direction, and then someone helped you. With well, I was your... headed in no direction. Okay. That was the problem. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, well, we'll take that. Uh, you're on an open road, right? Yeah, no, I'm on confused. an open road right. to nowhere, right? Which is like a lot of people. Exactly right. Uh, how how did this person help you think about? Giftedness, just as a starting point, because I'm assuming the move into giftedness helps a person with the idea of call. Well, I think it's massively important, but I didn't realize all the significance at the time. Giftedness, quite simply, the simple definition is it's what you're born to do. Everybody's mm -hmm. born to do something. One person, they want to solve a problem. Somebody else, they want to 
understand something at a very deep level. Somebody else, they want to get people to respond to them. Everybody has a particular way of behaving or functioning. And this is a phenomenon about human beings. In other words, quite apart from any theology that's involved, this is just true about people. When I say a phenomenon, like gravity is a phenomenon, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to know anything about gravity to take advantage of it. It's just the way the world is. And we can demonstrate that there's this very consistent phenomenon about people, and it applies to every human. But what's interesting is that it, it shows up really as near as we can tell from birth, certainly very early in life. And when you see that, and it's a very consistent pattern of behavior, and then you come to passages like Psalm 139 where David says, you weaved me together in my mother's womb. All the days were yet saw are formed, fashioned, designed for me before there was one of them. You go, wait a minute. Here's a Bible truth about God designing us as people individually. Why, by golly, here's a phenomenon that kind of validates what that's saying. And, and you start to think, okay, there's something here. So you say you're made for this. You're made for this. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, it's. I've had the opportunity to, to actually go through Bill's giftedness program and, and experience that as a participant. And, and I can certainly see how your gifting um, is so important for you to know what that is. And I'm glad that you have that. I mean, it was through that that I learned my own giftedness. Um, I realized the pattern of being a person who loves to create and recreate. And I'm a composer who does that. And I do it to love people with for the glory of God and for other people's goodness. And I learned that through your giftedness program when you end up taking all of those patterns and just basically bringing it into one sentence. And I can certainly see how that has parlayed into my calling. And I know we'll get into just the calling, which is what this podcast is about in mm. general. But I just wanted to insert that and just say that I can certainly see where they're different, but I can also see how they come together. Yeah. So, so one more question about the past, and then we'll shift sure. gears. And that is, so, so how did it happen for you? In other words, you said someone kind of helped you catch on to your giftedness. Did that? Was it a conversation? Was it a was it a time of reflection? How'd that happen? <laughs> no, the the process is if if giftedness is indeed a pattern in one's life, mm -hmm. then it makes sense that you go back to moments when the person was using their giftedness, mm -hmm. which the way we know what those moments were or those activities were is that you were gaining energy or satisfaction from the doing of it. So you get six or eight of those activities and you have the person tell stories. So I, this guy interviewed me for an hour and a half, two hours, around different stories about activities I had done that I enjoyed doing and I accomplished something. And then they did an analysis across those stories and they see all these dots that connect and there's a very consistent pattern of behavior that leaps out from it that's what points to your giftedness so so you actually went through a process where they kind of inventoried your giftedness and exactly and you basically have developed that since and what i did was learn that methodology and just have practiced it and used it with thousands of people now i am assuming by this line of questioning and not that i'm <laughs> no, a lawyer right. yeah. okay but i am assuming that there's a relationship between giftedness and calling so i'm it so, makes sense that there is as you would think there would be well so. be, because if you if you take that premise that god has has made people in his image, he's mm -hmm. and, and he's not just made them, he's designed them in his image. And I know there's a lot we could say about the, you know, the image of God in humans, but it certainly gets down to the individual level. 
and so like you said you were made for this well quite literally you were made for this god made you and this kind of segues into a point i was going to make if we're going to talk about calling then we that implies that there's a voice that's calling mm -hmm. and in genesis 1 we hear a voice say in the beginning and the voice calls and the universe springs into existence and all the creatures and, and humans okay mm -hmm. Um, somewhere along the way, someone called me into existence. Mm -hmm. I assume that person was God. Mm -hmm. And then when I discovered that giftedness is, a, is in a very personal, intimate way, the unique way in which he made me to live in his image, um, it not, that's not all of living in his image, but it's a big part of it, I'm like, huh, God seems to have called me to do this thing that I do. So I'm made as a human being on the one hand, made in the image of God in that sense, but I'm also made for something. Yeah, a purpose. That's Ephesians 2.10 right. says you're made for good works. Right. But what's made, it doesn't use the word giftedness, it uses the word workmanship, mm -hmm. a crafted thing like a like a, a potter who's putting pottery together. And that pottery, that potter can fashion the clay in different ways and get different vessels that are fit for certain purposes. And so it, the verse quite literally says that we are made by God for good works, but those aren't just generic good works. And a lot of that word workmanship, those are specific good works tied to the nature of the workmanship. So if you figure out somebody's workmanship, what I call their giftedness, you, know, you have a lot of clues as the good works that they've literally been called to do. So we're in the book of Ephesians when you mention that, and of course... You know something about yeah. Ephesians. <laughs> so, so the first good work, obviously, that God does is He forms a community yes. of Jew and Gentile yes. in Christ, yes. but two chapters later, mm -hmm. He's discussing the fact that people have been given gifts... To, to do the work, work of the church. church. Exactly right. That's right. So, and that just doesn't mean the work of the church in the four walls of the church, it's the work of... I mean, the word that's used there is the saints, mm -hmm. which means the everyday Christians, the people that are Christ followers who go out into the world Monday through Saturday, and they work in businesses, and they work in homes, they work in communities. And the things that they do out there, they can use their giftedness to bring Christ into those domains. So I have a sense that we're kind of walking up a bridge, and we're going from... <laughs> We're going from uh, from just being made in the image of God and the issue of giftedness to calling. So let's talk about that. So uh, let me. When I was thinking about this and talking to you about it, I thought, well, I remember a section in my DTS application mm -hmm. as a student back in, yes. ninth, in the 1970s. Okay, just want to make clear how old I am. <laughs> as Dad would say, back when the earth was cooling. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, well, your dad lived with the dinosaurs. Yes, but right. Anyway, <laughs> um, but, um, and there was a section that asked us to define our sense of call. And I thought to myself, well, this is interesting because mm. you know I have, no one's phoned me and said go to DTS. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so in the in the midst of thinking through that, you know, we use call in a variety of ways. Yes. Um, uh, we use usually it's termed a call to vocational ministry. Mm. Now, I would say in our popular parlance, that's how it's used. Yeah. Um, and yet, when you look at scripture. The best that I can tell, 
except for maybe one example where Paul is called as an apostle, which is a very specific role that he's been called to. Well, we'll come back to that, but go ahead. Okay. The term calling has to do with calling into your basically your basic relationship with God. Exactly. So, which is a wide open field, right? Right. right. I right. Mean, that I mean, would apply to everybody. all of us. Yeah. <laughs> whether we've ended up in vocational ministry or not, in one sense, are called. Just like, and this usually surprises people. I like tease people with this. Just like every believer is a saint. Okay, most people think you know sainthood is something you got to work your way right, towards, and right. eventually, if you get <laughs> right. high enough and, <laughs> right. and bright enough, you know, then if you shine your light large enough, then you get called to be a saint. But everybody's a saint, so everybody's. I'm assuming that part of what you're dealing with is everybody is called. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I love that because everybody is called. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus uh, he, he commands us all to to be busy making disciples. Yeah. And I think that you know Bill and I discussed this just briefly, just texting about uh, about this podcast, and we were talking about. Um, and I don't want to take words from his mouth, but oftentimes called is just used so many in so many ways that it's almost either watered down or it's just beefed up to be too big. And it's just really just God just means it to be, I think, just simple mm-hmm. that we're all called. Mm-hmm. Everyone um, under um, the belief of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is called to ministry, called to uh, to love the Lord, called to shine your light for the Lord. And I think when we get into you've been called to ministry itself, then I think we get into that saint conversation you mm-hmm. just had just then when you were saying that we're all saints, when in fact a saint is a sinner who fell down and got back up. Mm-hmm. And yet we make our, we put ourselves on these pedestals when we say I've been called as this or that or the other thing into the ministry. And I think sometimes, not all the time, we put ourselves on a pedestal with God, and God doesn't want us on a pedestal. He wants us to be humble and be yeah. and, and and to lead by being um, an example, by being willing to get into the trenches and to help other followers and believers uh, to come to know Him. And so I just think it's overstated. It's over. Rated. I mean, it's a good thing to be called. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying I just think we just need to understand that you don't have to have a special thing other than God just calls you to know him. So God di- calls you to ministry, to minister to other people about his So son. the challenge can be that we can make calls so narrow that we actually cut out a lot of the calls that God does offer. Absolutely. And, and frankly, we've just over the centuries, totally overcomplicated the whole matter. Uh-huh. There you and go. now you've got a lot of people confused, and there's people in the church that absolutely insists that if you don't have a call to the mm-hmm. ministry, you don't belong in a ministry. Uh-huh. There you go. And then there's people that are, well, I, I, I'm in sales. Are you saying God called me to sales? Like, mm. what could I? I've never heard that, but you know, and yeah. so there's just a lot of confusion. Okay, so we've now introduced the fog, so let's deal with that. <laughs> um, uh, well, and just to add to the confusion, okay. you mentioned the one possibility where, <clears throat> you know, Paul says he's called as an apostle, mm-hmm. which sounds different somehow from being called into faith with Christ, into mm-hmm. a relationship with Christ. But in Romans 1, he says, Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he says a bunch of other things. And then, verse 6, you know, to to the saints who are in Rome, among whom you also are the called. Mm-hmm. Same yes. word. Mm-hmm. Same word. Within the same sentence. And, mm-hmm. and you have the same thing in 1 Corinthians 
um, Paul called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified, saints by calling with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus. He got call used three times in two, <laughs> two verses there, and it, and there's a similar pattern elsewhere. So, so, so there's so, clearly there's something related there. So I'm called. I'm, everyone's called into in, those who believe are all called into the relationship with God. Yes. They're all called saints. Yes. Okay. Not everyone's an apostle. Correct. So, there so, you go. <laughs> so you know. So so you've got a you've got a general calling, if I can say it that way, and you've got a specific calling. There you go. Well, and and I would I would submit. Yes, I think I generally would agree with you. I think Paul. So I think calling gets down to our very identity. Mm-hmm. I think Paul recognized that in being called by Christ, and we can go back to Acts and see it right there when he, you know, has the the vision and 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 Ananias goes to visit him and so forth, and he talks about it in Galatians, etc. He realized that God plucked him out of darkness and had a very specific path for him. As a Christ follower. Well, in fact, Ananias told him what the calling was. Well, exactly. Yeah. But I believe that that's true for every believer. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like Paul said some, you know, like all of us are sort of nebulously supposed to follow Jesus, but some people get special callings. And uh, there, for many years, been a view that, you know, that's not the norm, that, that people get specific calls. That's, that's for a special few. Yes. But Giftedness, as I'm using the term, seems right. to mitigate against that. It's like, oh no, every single person. Once you do some discovery, you discover, wow, th- they've got something that they really do that is unique to them, and they, they can were made for this. At, they were made for this. Yeah, and then you just have to fill in what the this is. And so Paul just, you know, it's like he's saying, you know, it's his calling card. Hey, it's Paul the apostle. Yeah, mm. you know, um, you know, just like, hey, it's Daryl the. You know, leader for cultural engagement, or it's Bill, the executive director. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. There are some ministers whom you will see, and when we talk about the Apostle Paul, and we're talking about that, you know, ministry on Mm -hmm. that level, then there are some ministers that you see, even teachers in the classroom here at DTS. You know, you you sit at their feet, and you realize this person is called to do what they're doing. This mm-hmm. is a part of the gifting that God has given them, and they're using it yeah. to glorify <clears throat> God you know, for the benefit of the church. And you know that. They don't even have to say, I'm called. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, they don't have to say, I'm called by the, you know, and I'm the, uh, the cloth of Jesus or anything like that, you know, a minister. They don't have to wear the collar. We know, we see, we know um, by how they live their lives, by how they preach the word, by how they uh, lead, it, we, we, we know know that you've been called but i think that's that's a level of what we're talking about when we say the apostle paul's calling or the disciples calling from jesus then we see those are the callings that call men to and women to ministries in in ways that they're going to fulfill what god has for them but then there's the general calling that we're talking about that i believe that as a believer we are called to believe in christ called a relationship with called christ called into a relationship with christ yeah and most of the passages on calling are that more generic sense of the call? Yeah. But having said that, uh, what what I what I sense you're saying is is that 
Okay, everyone, everyone's made for this. The Ephesians 4 says this clearly that mm-hmm. with regard to giftedness for the body and serving the body and ministering, there is, there is a particular skill or set of skills that for you've equipping. been given for equipping, for equipping the saints and functioning in the world. And one of those callings is evangelist, which obviously right. moves outside the church. So, um, so you've got that dimension. So I guess the question that this raises is, there are a lot of people out there with a calling um, that they may or may not have recognized beyond the fact that they have been called into the faith. Well, I think the word a lot is an understatement. Okay. I think it's a vast majority hmm. of believers, and frankly, the vast majority of human beings do not know, A, what their giftedness is, and B, result of that, what their calling is. Mm-hmm. Or... They have a sense of what their callingness and what their giftedness is, but they haven't connected it to their relationship to God. There well, you that's, go. I that's, think a, that's that's a problem. Both of those scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, absolutely. Um, you know, because I know a lot of people outside the faith who said, "I'm doing what I was, what I'm built to do," but how it connects to what goes on in the world that, that they're less clear about, other than this. Well, is see, what and, I'm and, to do. and that adds yet another layer of, of sort of complication. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I specialize in complicating yeah, things. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Giftedness, as I say, it's a phenomenon about humans, which means it's part of what we call common grace. Right. It, it, whether you're a believer in Christ or not, you know, whether, whether you've responded to God's invitation to a relationship or not, you have some form of giftedness by virtue of the fact that He created you. Mm. And it's part of common grace, and we need that common grace. Because it's those gifts, the giftedness, that allows our our cultures, our communities, our societies to function. We need people that are gifted to the task of causing healing. You know, we call them doctors and nurses. We we need people who are gifted to the task of causing people to learn. We call them teachers. People who are gifted to the task of creating jobs. We call them entrepreneurs. Mm. I mean, that's that's Genesis one, and it's what I call the good truth about people. Now, Genesis 3, there's a bad truth about people, and there's no question the world needs a Savior. We all need a Savior. But, but we, we need to sort of think back prior to that fall that God gave to every human being that he put into the world a means of Genesis 1, making the world fruitful, making the world and its people flourish. So I'm, uh, what, it, this will sound strange, but the passages that jumped in my mind are passages in Exodus where certain people are described as craftsmen. Craftsmen. In order that, that, right. that a tabernacle can be built and eventually a right. temple. Um, so, um, so it covers a wide array of, of abilities. That's what we're talking about. Yes. And there's an impact of being able to match up who you're made to be with what you're doing. All right. So we call uh, that job fit. We call that, <laughs> and that's kind of what I specialize in. So, that, is helping. so, so that's that is the the round peg going in the round hole, right? Exactly. I mean, because because um, a lot of people have square pegs going in round holes, and that well, produces uh, some uh, rough edges. Yeah, according to the Gallup organization or the polling organization, they actually keep track of what they call employee engagement, which means the extent to which a worker is engaged with their work. They they feel a sense of connection to the work, and, and it means something to them, and we would say they, they like, if not love, their job. And the good news is, in the United States, roughly 30% of the workforce 
about a third are classified as engaged with their work, but that means 70% are not engaged. But when you look at it worldwide, Gallup says 87% of workers globally are not engaged with their work, which means a whole lot of people out there are probably in the wrong job by virtue of what they're made to do. Mm. There's a lot of reasons for that. That's good. This episode is brought to you by The Truce Podcast. I'm sure you've been there. You're at an event, a dinner, a small group, and someone says something like, If you're a Christian, you have to vote Republican. Huh. That raises an interesting question. How did evangelicals like me get to the place where we just assumed we'd all vote one way? This season on The Truce Podcast, we're diving deep into the complexity of the 1970s and 80s to understand how evangelicals tied themselves to the Republican Party. It's a story that involves murder, corruption, redemption, and our need to be heard. I'll be talking with celebrated historians like Rick Perlstein, Pulitzer Prize winners Francis Fitzgerald and Jesse Isinger, and some of the best guests I've ever had. Truce is the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. Subscribe to Truce anywhere you get podcasts or listen at trucepodcast.com. So um, I'm kind of uncertain which which way to go here, but let me try it this way. So, so let's assume you've scratched someone's interest and they go, I'm not sure whether I understand what my calling is in that more narrow sense. I mean, I understand I'm a believer. I've been called into faith. But I don't understand, um, you know, I, what is what is my made for this? Mm. Um, how do you get there? Well, I mean, there's a variety of ways. And, of course, the the, the formal method that, that I use, and I use it here at the seminary with students and and others is to go through that storytelling process with another person uh, to to come up with a list of what we call our giftedness stories, activities I've done that I've enjoyed doing and done well, all the way back to childhood to the present, and then find a partner and you tell those stories in detail, what you did, how you did it, not why you did it. You just exhaust your memory like a video camera was rolling while you were doing it. And you tell this other person, you narrate through what would have, what they would have seen if they would have been there, and then together you get what we call the key words, and then uh, you write those down, and you you got about seven or eight stories, and you look across those to find that pattern. Now all of this is laid out, you know, in in the book that I wrote, the person called you, why mm-hmm. you're here, why you matter, and what you should do with your life. There's an exercise in the back of that book. But, you know, traditionally, the, the ways that people have figured out their calling to the extent they have is, for thousands of years, probably, they just get feedback from other people. Wow, you're really good at this. Yeah. And you kind of have a knack for that. But we never had to worry about any of this until about 100 years ago, um, because prior to that, all the work in the world was farms and factories. Mm-hmm. And you, if you were a man, you did – or a boy – you basically did whatever your dad did, mm-hmm. and if you're a girl, you basically got married and had babies. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an overgeneralization, but that's basically mm-hmm. it worked. Mm-hmm. Nobody worried about you know the choices they had. The choices they had to make. Yeah, you and I are in the first generation in history that ever had to ask the question, "What should I do with my life?" Because we had options, mm-hmm. and that's because the nature of work changed after World War II into what we call knowledge work. 
So that's why this is at a boil now, as you've got rising generations more and more struggling to figure out, what am I here for? Like, what should I do with my life? And they're, most of them are very confused about that. And so a, a key way in is, uh, you know, at the seminary and the center, we've often talked about as an institution, as a, an organization, what are our golden moments, the places where we felt like what yes. we did we're in the went spot. well and was well and were well received. You can feel it. There's an energy and a, right. and a things are working. And you go, that fits. Yeah. Uh, and I'm assuming that That's finding true for your giftedness is the same kind of story. Yeah, we call it the sweet spot. You know, a baseball bat, a tennis racket, a golf club. There's a sweet spot where if the if the player connects with the ball, you know, when the sweet spot, all the forces vector together to give the most power and control. And like a baseball batter knocks the ball out of the park, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, the the golfer can feel that that the vibration go through not only the club but the golfer themselves and they can feel how they put the shot right where they want it. Mm-hmm. And and that's the sweet spot and everybody has a sweet spot. They they get that thing that when the when the problem solver solves that problem and finally gets the answer, it's like yes. You know, when we see it occasionally here at the seminary because mm-hmm. we got a lot of comprehenders, people that want to understand something at a very deep level, mm-hmm. and they finally kind of get to the bottom of some you know doctrinal theological thing, and they're all excited because they finally felt a breakthrough. You know, that's that's the sweet spot. So uh, sweet spots when the dots connect, the dots of who we are connect with what we're doing. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, when the teacher, the person who wants to see the student, you know get the math that they've been trying to help. And then suddenly the kid goes, oh, I got it. I got it. You know, and they're mm-hmm. like, yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Let's complicate this even further. Yeah. Let's be reminded that people are called at different times mm-hmm. in different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's God's privilege, right? Right. And so that just adds another layer to someone questioning these things. But what comes to my mind, Bill, and I'm not trying to throw you a curve, but here's a question that I'm sure people will ask about calling. If they, They'll say, if God has called me, why is there a question about my calling? Because God can do this. God, God is able to do all of that at one time. To me, my answer to that is, if he called you, you will know because you will be doing things that look like God in what you're doing for him. Yeah. But what would be, what, 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 what do you think about that? When, if, if God, and God does call us, he's called all of us. Uh, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's for everybody, right? All right. Uh, that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. That's everybody. That's a gift to everyone who receives it. So my thing to, to you is just, again, not to throw a curveball, but if God is calling us, then why don't we know or why do we have such a question about our calling? How do we respond? How well, do I, we... I think, Get there. yeah, I think a lot of it, frankly, is the fall. I, okay. I think in a fallen world, in a fallen world, I mean, is a, this is a, a thought experiment? I'm not saying this is the way it would have been, but just imagine the fall had not happened, and so we start doing what God told us to do, which was to, you know, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and rule over it, and we we start all the things that humans do. You know, we pave roads and put vehicles over them and we raise babies and we do health care and we grow food and all. So let's just take, you know, growing food. And uh, 
you know, two guys are working, and one guy says, you know, it's just amazing to me, but every year your crops just seem to come out with just better produce than anybody else's. Man, you seem to have a real gift for that. Mm. And the guy goes, huh, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but now that you pointed out, I see what you're saying. Man, that's amazing. I I don't know how that is. Well, I think God made you to do that. Mm. Well, I think you're right, you know. Right. What, a, what an amazing God we have. Mm-hmm. Thanks for letting me know that. We would find out from yes. each other yeah. as we notice people using yeah. their giftedness. But, of course, we don't have that. No. We live in a fallen world, as you and then And then the nature of giftedness itself, the way I put it is, each of us lives inside our skin, which means it's a physical impossibility to see our own face. We see every other face in the world. The one face we can't see is our own face. Mm. Well, the same thing's true with our giftedness. We live inside our skin. That's good. We see other people use their giftedness, mm-hmm. and oftentimes it looks pretty impressive. But when we use our own giftedness, we don't think about using it. We just use it. So unless somebody from the outside holds up a mirror and says, oh, here's what you're doing, and celebrates it, here's the value of what you're doing, it just proves a bit elusive. Well, and I actually think that one of the reasons we did the podcast is because there's a lot of confusion about the term call, and I can't find uh, something I'm not looking for. Correct. Oh, that's good. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I'm Correct. sitting there and, and, and I've never thought about the need to look for this or why I should look for it, et cetera, and I just go through life, then it's, it's, not, it's no wonder that some people have trouble discovering their call unless they're really sensitive to what it is that they enjoy doing in life. Well, the way the question usually manifests itself is through angst and pain where the person says, I don't know what to do with my life, what I should be doing. I don't mm. like what I'm in right now. I, I went to college. I got this degree. I got, a, I got a job that that degree opened the door for, and now I've discovered – I don't like this. I hear that about lawyers all the time. <laughs> they, they go to law school and they start practicing law and they say, I'm not sure I want to do this for the rest of my life. Well, you know, you you say that and we laugh. The truth of the matter is I could probably make a full-time practice just in Dallas of all the lawyers who just can't stand their job, and, you know, but they don't know what else they, sh- they can do. <laughs> exactly you know? right. Yeah. So. No, but there are some people are called to be lawyers. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. No, no, no. Right, right. Oh, no. Yeah, thank yeah. God for that. And yeah. there's there's one other answer to your question, Millicent. So, mm-hmm. you know, if God gave us the call, why should I question the call? Right. Why should anybody question right. the call? Right. And um, I like to say, I don't like, well, I don't like to say it. It's just a harsh reality. I like to say that on the road to purpose, there are many off ramps. Yes. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest ones, you know, it's like a three-lane off-ramp, are parental expectations, Hmm. where the parents have an agenda, a plan for this child. Here's what you're going to be. Or it's more likely, here's the the set, which is usually a, a, a limited set of the acceptable paths for you. Okay. And if your giftedness doesn't really fit you to fit into those paths and it's over here, that's not right. That's not good. Mm-hmm. And many people who come my way, I mean, they come to grips with the fact that, gee, my parent, that I, I agree, this giftedness that I have, this is exactly what I should be doing. But you don't understand, Bill, my parents 
like they never wanted me they to They built do. a road for me in this direction. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and you see what's in, what's in clash here is the parent is basically saying, my will be done for your life, mm-hmm. not his will be done for your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really sad. It is sad. So another thing I want to be clear about is, is that when we talk about this sense of calling, it applies to a wide variety of, possibilities. of roles and yeah. possibilities. It's not just a vocational Well, it's not just paid work, nor, is it, nor, nor is it limited to the work that, or, the, or the things that we do that we get paid. It extends to the whole of your life. Okay, and, and actually, That's I was going to broaden it in a different way, which is, and it isn't just what you do for the church. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, so this is a totally wide open. You're you're on a, a wide open field here when you're thinking about if I'm called and gifted to be a writer, I'm writing for everyone. If I'm called and gifted to be an entrepreneur, I'm creating a business for for mm, everyone, everybody, at least yeah. in the niche that I'm in, etc. This is who you were made to be. Period. Well, again, we're going back to Genesis one. Mm-hmm. You know, the the mandate that was given, the very first words God said to human beings after He created them, amount to their marching orders. Mm-hmm. Here's why I put you here: be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, rule over it. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more than about having babies. It means make the world fruitful. The world on its own is not very fruitful. It just gives us raw resources, yeah. and only human beings can add value to the world and its resources that cause the world and its people to flourish. And to each and every person, God has given a means of adding that value. We call that their giftedness. Mm. And that mandate has not ever been set aside. The earth was cursed, Mm -hmm. which made the work more laborious and toilsome, created a lot of problems. But the work itself is still inherently good. God wants us to still make the world and its people flourish. And he would not just within the church, but through the church. Exactly right. And so so I like to say, you know, I really love the way in which the uh, first two chapters of Genesis present ma- male and female. Because, yes. Because what it says is, you know, he made Adam male, okay, human being, class of his own, and then he paraded all the rest of the creation in front of him, and Adam goes, nope, nope. Nope, 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 nope. And meanwhile, God's go- God's saying, this isn't good. Yeah, exactly. but, and, and God's going, oh, do I have something for you? But I got something really good for you. Right. So he creates a female and went, whoa. Yeah. Okay. That's a yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Take it. And, 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 so, and so there's this, this complimentary relationship. Complimentary here is being used in a very positive way. Mm. It is... I recognize that what this person brings is bringing something that I lack. Right. Mm, okay. That's good. And 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 together we are better than any of us, either of us is individually. Correct. And there's a collaboration that's built into that creative moment, which then promotes the creation from good to very good. And right. the one thing I learned in school is an A is better than a B. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and so, you know, you look at that whole thing that's going on there and you go, that's the way. And the word that comes to mind when I think of this is it isn't just a stewardship, but it's a functional stewardship. Right. It's a collaborative Functional stewardship. We were made to cooperate together 
and we've managed to turn gender into a thing where we compete against one another. Mm. And that, and, and so I, I think that's a reflection of the fall, frankly. Yeah. And so, but so what we're talking about is God gifting each person in which their role in the creation provides a complement to what the creation needs. Thanking you. Thank you for adding that to the conversation. Yeah. I appreciate that. This <laughs> is very much so needed. Bill, I just want to turn to you and I just want to say, um, as our time gets set to wind down, I want to make sure that the point that you want to make about this for this podcast is very well understood. So I'm just going to say to you before it's over, what is what do you want a viewer or listener to take away and know about their calling? Well, I want everybody to know that they have been designed in God's image and that as a key part of that, God has, first of all, for, for a mystery that we really don't understand, God delights to see himself in human form. Mm-hmm. I like to say that giftedness is incarnational truth. Mm-hmm. My view is that when God designs a human being, he takes some dimension of himself that he does in an infinite way. He fashions a human being to do that exact same thing only in a finite way. And he's an infinite God, so he could create an infinite number of human beings, and every one of them would image him and do something he does in a unique way, okay? But that's, that's kind of intrinsic value. But as I said earlier, there's an in, uh, instrumental value. There's a purpose for that creation. God is, is, is wanting to see us do that for which he made us. I believe that by doing that, we actually dispense his grace into the world. You know, every day That's people, beautiful. they pray all these prayers, and I believe God hears them. 90% of the time when God answers prayer, he does so through people who are gifted to the task. I call Ephesians 2.10 the, the toolbox of God's grace because it's the tools he uses. We are the tools he uses in many times to dispense his grace into the world, which means we're basically our answers to somebody's prayer. This isn't to make us proud. This is to make us be like David in Psalm 139. Lord, when I think about how you've put me together and what you've called me to do, I am fearful. I'm just, you are, you are wonderful. You are amazing. He's worshiping God. Mm-hmm. And you get, as a side benefit, what real estate calls location. Okay? I know why I'm here, yeah. what I'm supposed to be about. The purpose is congruent with the way I'm made. And... Um, and you you have your sense of how, where you fit and how you contribute. All right. And that, with as many people who are trying to find themselves or figure out why they're here and all those kinds of things, that's that's, that's a good huge, news. That's a huge interpersonal hole that's being plugged. And we can that is good news to share to people because mm-hmm. if people begin to discover their giftedness, I believe they see themselves much more in alignment with how God sees them. Mm-hmm. So whether they're, even if they're not a believer yet, they've taken one giant step closer to their crater. And so if then by God's grace, he shows them more light so they, you know, they see my need for a savior, that's very consistent with everything they've seen to that point. So I would think you would say that understanding your calling is important. I think it's just, that's, yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll put it this way, Daryl, for my own life, uh-huh. next to my salvation in Christ, which for me happened at age four and a half, uh-huh. yes, with a four and a half year old's understanding, but I knew what I was doing, yeah. mm-hmm. nothing has made a more profound difference in my life than 
coming to an awareness of what my giftedness was and therefore what my calling is. And again, we see that in your work, Bill. Mm -hmm. We see it at the Hendricks Center with you you and your leadership and development at the center and all that you do in your giftedness programs and and what you're trying to do to just help people to realize who they are in Christ through their giftedness and what that gift is going to look like to the church and to the world, to their world of influence. And I, for one, can appreciate it because it helps set me on a a course to understand Mm -hmm. how I'm made and what I'm made to do. And and when I saw the pattern come together in my life and in my story, and it comes down to the sentence and the the the, the one phrase that gave it gave me power and it made me cry because it was wow. like I can't believe this is who I am for the Lord, hmm. you know. And um and just I wasn't as I don't know if I should say as blessed as you to have come into my calling at four <laughs> years old. I think I was one of the runners. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there was a calling on my life, but I wasn't trying to answer the phone, as uh-huh. Dr. Box said earlier. <laughs> but I thank God that I have come into that. Yeah. And um, I don't even know, uh, you know, I think the, the timing of it had probably more to do with my responding to the call. Yeah. And I think I probably would call that responding to the call probably came at 45. And I'm not going to tell you how old I, I am now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what, of course. And, which is late. That's really late. 45 well, years old. Is but what time. that reflects is what we were saying earlier, which is I'm not likely to find something I'm not looking for. Correct. And so, you know, if I'm not sensitive to the fact that this is something to be pursued and thought about, then, mm-hmm. then the likelihood of my finding it becomes more difficult. I may find what I enjoy in life, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of people who find what they enjoy in life by what they do, but they don't have the whole package put Correct. together because they don't understand well, they've got how the, it connects the way God made them. They've got the gift without the gift giver. Exactly oh, I right. love that. And yeah. I also think you have to realize there's a time uh, sometimes between the call and the response. Yeah. And um yeah. and so you can have a call, you can have a call but you have to be obedient. Yeah. You got to respond. You have to yeah. respond. Yeah, well it's yeah. a whole other element. So once I know what to look for, then I have to also connect it to the one who I'm serving and looking for Script. it. And so that's the other and, and that's what Bill just said. I mean, yeah. you've got the gift, but now you have to look at the giver yeah. and you have to respond, you know. So I, that's important. So Bill, I want to thank you for coming in and talking about about Calling and giftedness. Daryl, you know I will get up out of bed any time of the day or night to come talk about giftedness. You've been doing it since you were four years old, right? This is so, calling. That's a, that's a lot of mornings. Anyway, anyway, and we thank you for joining us on the table. Hope you'll join us again. If you want to see other episodes of the table, you can go to voice.dts.edu/slash/tablepodcast. Well, you will find a myriad of episodes on the table. We have over 600 hours of material for you uh, there that range uh, anything having to do with God and culture, and uh, which means is a nice way of saying anything and everything. We hope you'll join us again soon. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.